An unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But a married man is anxious about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and he is divided. It was near as I can recall celibacy for the sake of the kingdom, Catholic priesthood, in my case, didn't enter my consciousness as a possibility until I was probably a couple years into college. And some of my earliest school memories are of chasing a girl in preschool, of leaving one at the altar in kindergarten, and wondering why she would never give me another try. You know, I grew up in what I would consider a devout Catholic home, but I don't recall celibacy being part of my worldview. We had no Catholic school to weave this into my formation or to host vocation days or speak often of the saints. Good people, really good people, taught my religious ed classes, but you know, the 80s and 90s bore the scars of the 60s and 70s, and one hour a week really isn't that much. Now, my worldview was shaped by a faithful family and good people, a limited catechesis, and a heavy dose of what we might call the Midwest U.S.'s priorities. Yeah, the Dukes of Hazard wowed us with their fast car and cute cousin, Daisy. Cheers made us laugh and look at Mady Malone's way with the women. Saved by the Bell in Beverly Hills 90210 showed us what life and relationships were all about. While Three's Company, the Love Boat, and Magnum P.I. gave us a glimpse of adult relational maturity. Thankfully, we had records and radio to balance out these one-dimensional TV shows. When I was just six, John Anderson taught me about swinging with little Charlotte Johnson, who was really looking good. <laughs> Randy Travis stoked my hopes for someone I could love, even if all her hair fell out forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Willie Nelson encouraged me to have someone special always on my mind. Garth Brooks said, don't wait to tell her you'd love her because tomorrow may never come. Alan Jackson revealed that I could survive without anything else as long as I was living on love. And the odds were pretty good with seven women on my mind. Four that want to own me, two that want to stone me, and one said she's a friend of mine. But just in case it didn't work out, well, I knew that I had friends in low places. You know, doubt it was the depiction of Fat Friar Tuck in Robin Hood and the priest in The Princess Bride that saved the day and inspired my vocation. Marriage. Marriage is what has brought us together today. You know, when you look at it from that perspective, it seems all the more miraculous and otherworldly for a man or a woman to hear God's call to celibacy in our day. I mean, surely this was largely why I struggled with it up to the night before my diaconate ordination. Celibacy was nowhere held out in the popular culture today. 
It simply doesn't exist in that worldview, except maybe as something dysfunctional and depressing or to be pitied and remedied with therapy. You know, but if none of the popular songs we sing or stories we tell support or even allow for this possibility of foregoing a good for the sake of the other world, might this not be troubling for the whole of Christianity, originating as it does in the man Jesus, who was never romantically involved or married? And the stories we tell in the shows we watch, the songs we sing, the books we read, form our capacity to see and to hear, as well as the horizons of our dreams. If you control the narrative, you control the possibilities, which is why so many spend their lives dissatisfied, living as a character in someone else's poorly constructed story. If you control the narrative, you control the possibilities. You know, think, for example, of the San Francisco School Board's actions from a couple years ago. Maybe you remember this. You know, using the criteria of whether the person promoted slavery, genocide, the oppression of women, or otherwise significantly diminished the opportunities of those amongst us to the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the board voted to rename 44 schools including ones named after Paul Revere, Daniel Webster, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, and yes, even Abraham Lincoln. Or I just read this uh, yesterday that there's a bill that's been introduced in Indiana that says in part, except as provided in subsection B, a school, an employee, or staff member of a school, or a third-party vendor used by a school to provide instruction may not provide instruction to a student in kindergarten through grade 12 concerning Christopher Columbus or a president of the United States who owned an enslaved person. If you control the narrative, you control the future, the trajectory. If one's worldview is shaped by a philosophy that has cut all ties with the past, can't conceive of its dependency on flawed humanity, won't pay respect to anything with which it disagrees and rejects all of God's redemptive story, then with humility, forgiveness, and conversion wiped away, the only thing left is to tear down and build anew, like we Americans with buildings are prone to do. If you write those figures out of a story, you can reshape its trajectory and the dreams and values of its citizenry. This also comes to mind as we celebrate Catholic Schools Week. Catholic education allows for all disciplines to be situated in God's grand story. This provides coherence to the whole. So we don't just learn isolated facts and theories, but create an overarching narrative. Write Christianity out of the story as was done in my 17 years of schooling, and you can still have the subjects of art, music, literature and science, but lost is their basis, their higher purpose, and the debt they owe to our country and to Christianity. You know, disruption to our narrative and worldview can come from outside, as I just described, as well as from inside. You know, one level the pandemic provided the occasion for such things. I remember young families, you know, those least likely affected by COVID-19, 
excusing themselves in large numbers from mass and communion for a year or more while still participating in other public offerings. It made it look to the kids like you can survive just fine without religion, sacraments, and such things. School, sports, and shopping are worth the risk, but Jesus better stay home and watch TV. Friends, let's look for those things, those narratives, those lifestyle choices that harden our hearts to the Lord's voice. You know, in other words, what stories are your family consuming that make religion in general and Christ's words in particular seem unbelievable or incoherent? You know, which world view are you bequeathing to your kids and your grandkids? Is God just a part of the whole, or is he what holds the whole together and gives it meaning? Is he an optional embellishment on your life, like an earring, or is he life itself? If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Let him shape how you see.